In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of John, chapter 7, verses 25 to 31. Again, that is John, chapter 7, verses 25 to 31. Please open your Bibles to that portion of the scripture and join me in reading God's word. Let us all rise in reverence to the word of God. Verse 25, some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I am from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him for I am from him and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. The title for today's message is Untouchable, based on John chapter 7, verses 25 to 31. During the Feast of Booths, Jesus went to the temple to teach, and many marveled at his teaching. But the Lord was quick to glorify the Father, and Jesus claimed that the teaching was not his own, and the authority to teach comes from the one who sent him. One of the things Jesus addressed when he was teaching was the wrong view of the Sabbath and their faulty reasoning for killing him or desiring to kill him. He raised the practice of obeying the law to circumcise a son on the eighth day from birth. When the day fell on the Sabbath, the Jews circumcised their sons, even though it was a Sabbath so that they would not violate the law of Moses. Were they not violating the Sabbath? Then why do they seek to kill him when he healed a man on the Sabbath? Jesus exposed their unfounded legalism, which might have added to the fuel of killing him. They wanted to kill him because he violated the Sabbath. Their basis was a Talmud written by men that these are, this is not in Scripture. The Old Testament law spoke about respecting the Sabbath. But what it meant was do not do labor on the Sabbath. Then somebody expounded, some people expounded that the way to practice the Sabbath is not even carry the little things outside your house or even the bed that you carry for even just carrying anything. They had the wrong view 
of what the Sabbath meant. And Jesus said, when you circumcise to keep the law, what about this? What about these conflicting ideas? But they were staunch in defending their position, feeling righteous to kill Jesus because they felt they were defending the law, albeit in ignorance. And we pointed out that even today, some people think they're defending the Word of God when they have not carefully studied the Word of God. They're defending something of their own opinion, saying this is right and this is wrong, without even being too sure, because they have not studied enough. They just formed the conviction because of the things they heard around from people they know, from preachers they know. Or they were born into a certain tradition, therefore they will defend it with all their, their lives, thinking that that is what God once. Now Jesus was addressing that, and we know that the people were marveling at his teaching, because some of them who strictly followed the Sabbath to a point that the Sabbath rules of the Jewish leaders became uh, something that restricted them or choking them, when in fact the Sabbath was meant for them to rest, to relax, it has become a way to put a new prison on them. And perhaps those listening to him saying, huh, that makes sense. Even today, some have these convictions of certain things, believing that this is right and wrong. But when you ask them, what is your basis? Show me, please show me in scripture what your basis is. And a lot of them cannot find the basis. And when they give verses, it's half cooked. No, that's not what the intent of the author about that verse. It's not what you're saying. And once you expose that, they realize that they've been trying to defend or believe in something that is not actually biblical. But again, as Jesus did this, and perhaps some of them felt they could not answer back, because of the wisdom of his teaching that fueled all the more the desire to kill him. It's not written there, but you would assume because this was a public place. However, the crowd's response was a mixed response. Some people confirmed that some of the Jewish authorities sought to kill him. Although some of them said, who's trying to kill you? You have a demon for thinking that someone wants to kill you. But some of them believed or knew that some of these authorities wanted to kill him. Yet they observed him speaking openly at the temple, but no one was doing anything against him. They wondered if the authorities, the people wondered if the authorities knew that Jesus was the Christ, meaning Savior, or the promised one, the Messiah. Let's read verses 25 to 26. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is, speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? It shows that some people in the crowd might have already started believing that indeed he is the Christ. 
They're now suspecting maybe that's why they're trying to kill him, because they know he's the Christ. Remember that the Christ then, their perspective of the coming Messiah or Savior was a political one. So therefore, some of them might know he might be the Christ, but let's prevent them to keep our own positions. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Some of those who sought to kill him probably knew that Jesus was the Christ. At least some of the people think so. The Jewish authorities did not say anything against his teaching because they probably could not. They give you something to think about. Right. Yeah, I did circumcise my son on the eighth day because it fell on the eighth day on the Sabbath. So, right. How do I answer this? Because if I did circumcise him on the Sabbath, then I did violate the Sabbath, which means I should not be trying to arrest this man. Ah. They marveled at his teaching. I believe even his detractors did. Now there comes the issue of where he came from. The author, meaning John, the beloved, the son of Zebedee, wrote how some people perceived that he was the Messiah. But there was a confusion because some of them what they know was when the Messiah comes, they don't know where he came from. That was the common belief. Uh, but Jesus confirmed that, yeah, they, you know where I came from. But what he was saying, you, you know where I came from, what family I came from. But what you don't know is where I really came from. That you don't know. And I have come from the Father. And that you don't know. Let's read verses 27 to 29. But... We know where this man comes from, and when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me, and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. Again, there is a consistency in the prologue. If you look at chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, it showed there that what? Jesus was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing was created without the Word. And this Word became flesh, became man, and He dwelt among us, He tabernacled among us, and the apostle said, the writer said, and we saw His glory. Again, there is consistency with what the author is trying to tell us. He was born on earth, but that was the design. We call that the incarnation of the word becoming flesh, not reincarnation. Is that clear? Don't get confused. We believe in the incarnation, not this way of thinking. And after you die, you become an animal or something else. If you're good, maybe you'll be an eagle. If you're bad, maybe you'll become a rat. I don't know. Okay? So there's a mathematical problem there, actually. Okay? Because if all of us would turn into another one, how come there are more of these species growing on Earth? And there are more humans growing on Earth. So it should be one is to one. So there's a, a mathematical problem with that. All right? 
So if ever you think, I'll be good, so one day I'll be a butterfly, uh, stop thinking about that. Uh, but sure, you can decorate your room with butterflies, but don't think you'll, you, about reincarnation. But we do believe is what? The incarnation of the Son of God, because that was the design. Remember, we went through the book of Hebrews for more than a year. And there we learned about the design. He had to be born as a man because there must be a perfect man, a sinless man, who can, what, pay our debts. Only the sinless. None of us can die for one another. Our value to each other in terms of forgiveness of sins is no value. Only Jesus is worthy. The term worthy, the worthy lamb. The lamb with no blemish. Because in the Old Testament, when they offer an animal to God for their individual sins, it has to be good. It has to be the best. Jesus Christ is the best among us in terms of having no sin. That must be clear. So he came from the Father. So he's affirming actually what they're saying. Yes, you don't know where I come from, but you think you know where I come from because you know my, probably you know my parents, you know where, where we lived, you know my brothers, but you really don't know. Now let's read verses 30 and 31. So they were seeking to arrest him, seeking, but no one laid a hand on him. Because his hour had not yet come, yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? You see, as if they're already believing that he is a Christ. Okay, so when somebody else comes, he'll do more signs? Because this man has already done amazing signs and wonders and miracles in front of them. Now, the Jewish authorities did try to arrest him, but they could not. They probably hesitated because of his words and because many people believed. Remember, it's unpop it was unpopular to arrest him when many were believing. And some acknowledged the significance of the signs and they wondered, would the Messiah do more, more miracles than this man? Well, the Jewish authorities will eventually succeed in killing him. But during this time, in what we are reading, it was not yet time. God will permit the destined suffering and death of the Messiah at the perfect time. The Christ must suffer and die, and the Messiah must rise from the dead. Application. Well, let's respond in the right manner. Now, because we're reading at the scriptures of what happened, it's easy to say that I believe in him, but those people did not. But what if we were there? How you think it would be that easy to believe? No, but even today, some people do not find it easy to believe. One, they never read the scriptures, they just don't believe. They don't even start with reading it line by line or studying it line by line. That's why we encourage them to, why don't we just read? Just read. At home, why do we read one chapter a day, two chapters a day, add 10 minutes a day just to keep reading continuously? Eventually, you'll finish the, finish the Holy Scriptures. 
Then somehow, if by God's grace, the Father draws you to the Son, so many things will be open and clear to us, God willing. First one, application, we must respond in the right manner. People respond different, differently to the proclamation of the gospel. Some will believe, others will not. And some will be in the process of believing. Our response is definite. Our response, we believe in who he is and who sent him. He wasn't just born on earth. Before he was born on earth, he was the word of God, eternal in the heavens. Second, know the Father. We believe in the Messiah, but we also believe in the Father who sent him. We believe it is the Father who draws people to Christ, as we have studied previously. He is the one who grants access to the Son without his work. Without the Father's work, we cannot know the Father and we cannot know the Son. Therefore, when we pray, we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the Son. And how do we know the Father? We read both the Old and the New Testament. And please do not come up with a God that is not revealed by Scripture. You, we Sometimes we formulate a God in our mind, God is this. Or in my opinion, God is this. Well, let God be God as he revealed in the Bible. As he revealed in scriptures. So how do we know him? We read. We study. And we will find, as most people say, he is a God of love and mercy. But let us not forget that he is also a God of justice. And that is also an all-wise God. And we cannot. Our limited thinking sometimes is faulty, just like these Jewish people. But when it is exposed by the word of God, sometimes, if we study carefully, sometimes something becomes clear in our minds. And I was asked one time, if God is love, how come there's so much hate in the world? I said, would you understand what love is if you don't know what hate is? Would you? Would you? Would you understand kindness if you have not seen cruelty? Would you? It doesn't exist. It won't exist. You wouldn't know God's love if you haven't seen the evil in the world. It won't exist. Would you know what light is without darkness? You cannot. You cannot fathom. Your logic is limited. You have to see it. Would you know relief without pain? No, let's not try to be wiser than God. Sometimes we develop certain logic and philosophies, but if you attack the basis of it, it is weak, it is weak, and it is weak. God is God. Know the Father from the Old to the New Testament. That same God who said, protect them, also said, kill them all. Hmm? And I don't apologize for who God is. Okay? But don't create a God of your own thing. It is a scripture. He is both a God of love and justice, mercy and justice. 
is both a God of comfort and a God of discipline. That's why, what did scripture say? We have to love God, but we have to fear him as well. It is not just love. It is also the fear of God. So I say to us, let God be God according to scripture. Not according to me, not according to you. Not according to what other people say. But according to scripture. And not just one piece of scripture. All scripture. So we have an understanding of the whole context. Because some would unjustifiably take one portion and look at this. Look at this verse. And explain it separate from the whole context. When you write somebody a letter, would you want them to read only one phrase? Or would you want them to read from start to finish so you understand their, your explanation? You understand their, they understand your explanation. You want them to read from start to finish because you composed it so that to explain something. The same way, the beauty of scripture. Can you imagine? Around 40 authors who wrote, inspired by the Spirit to write, because of a purpose. It could be a situation they're addressing. It simply may be to, to write a chronicle. But to write, they had a purpose to write. In a span of around 1,500 years, and you put these different writings together, it reveals the Father and His plan and His Son, Jesus Christ. You see a full, beautiful story. Now you get the writings of Plato and Aristotle together. They just two, and they learn from one another, by the way. And put it in one writing, and they don't agree with each other with so many things. Conflicting. Now can we say that this is indeed the Word of God? Yes. So we want to know the Father. And the son he sent by studying all scripture, because all scripture is inspired by God. Get your Bible and read it chapter by chapter. If there are things you don't understand, just read through it and mark it and get back to it later on. But just read it. Why do you want to read it? Because you want to know the Father. Because you say, Father, I want to know you. What do you want to happen if you pray that? I want to know you more, Lord. What do you think will happen? Some mystical thing will come upon you? When the word is already there, read that, please. It's just like one of my students asking me to explain something again. I said, would you please watch the recording? <laughs> would you please read the assignment? Because when you read the assignment, it will answer what I, we were talking about, even if you missed what I was talking about, you'll read it there. So please read it first. Sometimes, you know, if somebody didn't do their assignment because they're, they're asking, asking questions that are, they have no foundation. But they're talkative in class, right? To show recitation. <laughs> and uh, yeah, sometimes I was like that. If I didn't read anything, I'll just ask him. I'll just ask the teacher. So he would remember I was reciting. But some teachers don't buy that. <laughs> they can see right through you. Uh, but hey, know the Father. If you like to talk about God, talk about Him with a basis from the Holy Scriptures. And do it by context. 
We cannot just create teachings or sermons, one verse after the other, without from all over the place, without really looking at why those were written, based on its context. You can't just put anything together. If I put together something from all over, I can manipulate people. And that's what others are doing. And we should avoid that. And the temptation is there. So know the Father by knowing His Word. Now, we know that we have these small groups that discuss the sermon, and that's wonderful. However, that is slow pace. Okay, we should do that because we're looking at it line by line by line. However, may I encourage you at home, do the fast pace. Just read through. Weekly, we meditate from uh, six verses to ten verses and we discuss it in our growth groups, how we apply this thing. And we fellowship about, uh, our fellowship is about the Word of God and about each other. It's a wonderful fellowship that we have in these small groups. But alone, please read through. Why? Know the Father. And know the plan of God, number three. God's plan was for the Son to suffer, die, and rise again. That's the focal point. That's a focal point of history. That's a focal point of scripture. But building towards there, it's a, it's a wonderful story. Sets of stories building towards that point. And then after that point, the story of what happened after. And we're still continuously part of that story until Revelations. Although our story may not be written there, but we're part of that until the end. God... Plans, well, he planned for the son to die, but at the appointed time. And God plans for us to believe and live the gospel and for us to proclaim the gospel. And the gospel is as it was instructed. Here in John, here, there in Matthew, you would read in the Ad book of Acts how they proclaim the gospel. And I'd like to encourage you to read it and follow their pattern. But nowadays, we try to make everything easy like instant noodles. It's different if you've never tried the real fresh noodles made by a, a real chef. And you taste that it's really good versus the instant noodles. But some of us don't think that's delicious because we're used to the instant for a long time. But the gospel, what's the real thing? You look at scripture. I like the version of Luke. You are witness to these things. Of what? The suffering, death, and resurrection of the Messiah. He told his apostles. And he told them about who the Christ was in the law and the prophets. Meaning the Old Testament. How it built up towards the Christ and the prophecies. And then what did he tell them? And you shall proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins throughout all the nations. And Luke also wrote the book of Acts, and you will see there how faithful they were in proclaiming that people should repent and believe. We must proclaim the gospel according to the model of Scripture. But these days we have instant noodle sharing the gospel, which is what? Instead of the suffering, death, and resurrection, instead of explaining that and its significance and, and telling people that we should all repent of our sins, what do we do? We pick the verses, separate some verses, the easy ones, neglecting this part and say, all you have to do 
Repeat this prayer after me. Just proclaim He is Lord. You cannot neglect. You say, they will proclaim Him as Lord shall be saved. That is true. But again, like the circumcision, then I ask you, if we confess that He is Lord and we are saved, that is true. But what about Matthew 7, 21? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So what, what of that? Ah, and this is how we must study and synthesize what we learned. Like this issue of Moses, the circumcision and the Sabbath. How do we reconcile that? We study it carefully. We must proclaim the gospel as the scriptures proclaimed it. And you know what? Until we have to do that. Now, whatever our work profession is, what makes us busy, that's not the main priority. But we need that. We need to be responsible on earth. We need to work. We need to contribute to the family. We must do that. And scripture tells us to do that. Take note, scripture tells us to do that. So many in Proverbs tells us to do that. However, let us not forget that we were called to what? To proclaim his suffering, death, and resurrection. Don't get tired of it. And then what? Calling people to repent and believe. Calling people to know the Holy Scriptures, to know the Father, to know Jesus Christ. That is the main agenda. That's why, for me, at least, I encourage us here, for us, is to have a simple structure in our lives. We go to Sunday service. We go through the small group. And in the small group, we can team up in reaching out others for Christ. As a team, not one-on-one one -on -one is sometimes difficult, but as a team, we do that as a team. Who are we praying for? Who should we talk to? Let's do it together. Why don't we invite them to, to a game of basketball? Or why don't we have coffee? Why don't we play tennis or golf or whatever you're into? Or, or uh, he likes riding a bike, let him join our group and somehow find a way to connect with them and find a way to proclaim the gospel. You will be persecuted and some people will not like you anymore, but there's some who will believe and you have done your purpose. And here's the thing, God protected Jesus Christ until the appointed time to die. I believe in God's protection for us until the time. When it is time, it is time. Amen? Before the time, we have work to do. As a community, let us join forces. Let us be as brothers and sisters, building one another. But why do we build one another? Why do we strengthen one another? Why do we encourage one another? That is not the end for encouragement. I go to church, so I'm happy. You went to the wrong church. The destiny of the church is not to be happy. That's not, you shall be saved, therefore you shall be happy. I don't see that in scripture. God saves you so that you have a fulfilled life. I don't see that in scripture. We hear the gospel, we believe he died so that we may be saved. You know the word saved? Whole. Whole saved not only in the spiritual sense but to be whole and you know what else and we were called for a purpose
purpose. And that purpose is proclaim the gospel. Let us know the plan of God. And until the appointed time, we will work together. And if some of us go ahead of each to the Lord first, say hello for us. Although we can do it on our own <laughs> by praying. He listens to us. I give you right now a piece of poetry called Untouchable. Untouchable until the time. Live the life with no sin and crime. Messiah would teach openly and the truth he would teach boldly. Yet the intent to kill persisted, but during that time they resisted because many believed in him. They could not find a way to spin because it was not time to die. He had to die. Now we know why. At the right time it will be done, the death and rising of the sun. Some believed him to be the Christ. His death and rising will suffice. We believe, we believe as well. Today the gospel we will tell. Let us all rise. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your abundant grace. Thank you for allowing us to learn this portion where they sought to kill him but they could not because it was not yet time yet the Lord boldly proclaimed knowing you will be there to protect him and knowing that he can only be touched at the appointed time may we find faith in what he has done knowing that you have called us for a purpose and we are untouchable until your appointed time. But no, we are not to sacrifice that many be saved because Jesus has done that already. Yet our lives we willingly give for him, for his glory, knowing what our main agenda is. As you have placed us in different parts of society or even in different homes and families and tribes, we know you have a purpose. Until, but until the time we shall live and breathe and we will find ways to proclaim that Jesus Christ suffered and died for our sins. And he rose again, defeating death. And he calls us all to repent and to believe. And by repenting and believing, it will result in obeying. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God bless you all. Before you go, introduce yourself to somebody and at least say hello.